0: Uzo Zambo, you're listening to Bhutan Dialogues, a platform to discuss ideas and issues in development. Bhutan Dialogues is a joint initiative of the Loden Foundation and the United Nations in Bhutan, held every second Thursday of the month in Thimpo. I'm Karma Pinso, the host for the Dialogue, and my guest for today's session is Lau Araya Kanokpan, the country director of Asian Development Bank in Bhutan, to discuss finance and economy. The Dialogue has three parts. Mr. Gerald Daly, the resident coordinator of the United Nations in Bhutan, will introduce the session, followed by my conversation with a guest. This session ends with a Q&A with live audience.
1: Good afternoon, friends and colleagues. Bhutan Dialogues is a network of people who are here to learn, share expertise and experiences on a wide range of issues. It's a platform for networking, and sharing each other's knowledge. Welcome to UN House today. This network of free is one of our focuses going forward is to prioritize access to free learning resources in the forms of publications, data and volumes and research papers and these will be available and are currently available on our website please share with us any opportunities you find useful that are free so that we truly turn ourselves into a network when I say a network I'm saying it is not a top-down experience it is we're all equal in this we all often have fairly good access to the internet and perhaps you find opportunities that we're not aware of. We would be grateful if you would share the resources that you find available with us. Suraj is, can you put your hands in the air there, Suraj? Suraj and Demma are some of the interns who are working with this and the Bhutan Dialogues. And we would be grateful if after this session, during the cup of tea at the very end, please ask them for their email and they will share their email with you. So then this truly gives us the opportunity to be a network working together. Today we will talk about something that forms the foundation of development. Finance and economy, money matters. Traditionally, us development workers focus on social issues that are relevant to the development. But it's often the economy that drives the investments that can be made in the social sector. For example, many of us are asking the questions, I wonder what will be the impact of hydropower revenues over the coming years? I wonder what will be the impact of the changes in the GST tax? These are some of the questions we will be asking today of our colleagues on the podium. And I hope that you will also ask those questions. Let me now introduce our two colleagues on the podium. Um, Ms Kanokan Kopan Lau Araya from ADB, often known as Jem, has eighteen years of professional experience. She holds a doctorate and master's degree in economics from Indiana University. Prior to joining ADB, she was was an economist at the Ministry of Finance in Thailand. Jem assumed the position as ADB's first country director here in February 2017. Her key responsibilities include leadership and strategic management, country operations management and external relations and coordination. As you may remember from for those of you who are here recently I when it comes to Dr Karma I, I try to pick something a little bit different Are we not fortunate to have somebody who exemplifies the combination of scholarship and development leading a great NGO here in Bhutan When I say scholarship I think about somebody who has that ability to look in depth and be inspired by the traditions of this country. So I want to read a little bit of something he wrote in a publication which is called Twilight Cultures, Tradition and Change in Four Rural Communities in Bhutan. In less than half a century it has moved from a large it being Bhutan. It has moved from a largely oral past to an audiovisual present. From isolated rurality to cosmopolitan urbanism. From an animistic spiritual tradition to a secular scientific modernity. From subsistence farming to consumerist market economy. And from a medieval monarchy to a bicameral yes. democracy. It has changed much more in the last 50 years than in the 500 years before that. Ladies and gentlemen, colleagues, friends, uh, I hand you over to Karma and Jack. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: uh, good evening and welcome to Bhutan dialogue. Gun Dialogues uh, is a space for civil conversations, a space that we hope will give opportunity for us to cultivate curiosity, to learn more, know more, to uh, cultivate courage, to ask difficult questions. A space where we can bring outstanding leaders like you to address very serious issues. So here we hope to create a forum where we can have what the Buddhists may call a space for mindful listening and uh, right speech. You are our first uh, Bhutanese international guest and we hope with your presence will get a very wide, diverse international perspective on issues. But we often start with a personal question. Now you are a female Asian leading a very big important uh, world organization, Asian Development Bank, as a country director in a foreign country. That is a very rare achievement of Asian women. So I want to ask you first, how did you get to where you are? How did you become who you are? Do you have any specific personal experiences that triggered you on this journey? Thank you, Dr. Kama. Uh
2: do you hear me? Okay. Um, it's my privilege to be here um, as the first uh, foreign guest, um, and very happy to be here at the UN House. And with very a lot to see, a lot of friendly faces. I know a lot of people in the audience. Um, why I became myself now, I would just boil down to three, three things. Uh, I believe that to achieve. Um, to 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 get to where I am, uh, I owe to three things. First is the power of imagination, or power of visualization. I all uh, I like a lot of Buddhists. I came from uh, um, well, Thailand is relatively big, but my hometown is small. Uh, it's a mo- small hometown in the north of Thailand, small province, um, mountainous area, and. I felt that uh, I have a lot of time, so I think a lot, I plan a lot and it continue. All my life, I always imagine and visualize where I would be. So that's one thing: power of imagination. You have to have your vision clear of where you want to be. So secondly is the power of believing of growth and increment growth. And I, I believe that I um, stay very hungry for knowledge and personal growth. I don't believe in people have limited uh, capacity in any area at all, intellectual, spiritual, and physical. So we have to grow uh, in balance in many aspects. And lastly, I believe in power of kindness because at the end of the day, we cannot achieve everything. It's about we are Buddhist in Thailand, and um, I believe in power of kindness when you do good and act good to other people, you will receive it back, because you yourself cannot achieve
0: uh, very far on your own. So imagination, growth, and kindness are the three things that uh, drive you. Um, As an economist, because you are a senior economist, I would like to get your um, view on what money means to you. What kind of image is conjured up by the word money as an economist? This is more of an anthropological, cultural question.
2: Yes, I know it would be a hard question here, and very philosophical, but of course money, right now we are at the stage of the humanity that money, what we say is money makes the world go round. We need money in many activities, It's, um, uh, it's very essential to really make things move. Um, you asked about analogy of money. Well, if it's to compare with human body, I would think money is just like a system, the blood system, the flowing of that would help uh, our body function. So it, um, it is, and if it's uh, compared to the landscape, I would think it's just like water because money, in fact, is very neutral. A lot of some people when we talk think about money, think about negative, think about money, you know, money can be used for, um, uh, to change people, corrupt people, the more money, uh, people have steal a lot of money, they can become greedy or uh, forget about other people, uh, whereas um, it can be used as a resource to procure many good things and um, use in, in many beneficial uh, activities, use in uh, research and uh, development and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, the terms money, well, the money itself is uh, quite neutral, and so it's a role of um, development agent about government, and it's, we have to set out the institution framework to make sure that uh, that is um, control of money that it is not used in the uh, illicit activity like. Um, for example, setting up like anti-money laundering law and uh, make sure that
0: these people pay tax and things like that. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I want to ask, that you come from a very Buddhist country, Buddhist background, um, and you're here working in a Buddhist country as well. Where we have this very dominant perception of money and, and desire to make money as a negative thing, I think world over, if you look at the West, especially the classical Christian West, you have proclamations like, bless ye the poor by Jesus. And so somehow poverty is glamorized. And here, contentment is idealized and is sought after as a spiritual goal. So when we are in such a cultural context, how do we reconcile this drive for money and economic development versus cultural values? And you, of course, bring out the point that money is neutral. Uh, tool we use. So a lot of the perception seems to be that there is a great deal of misuse of money, negative use of money. How do we bring down the negative use of money? Money laundering is one negative use of money, and anti money laundering rules. What other practical tips do you have for both institutions and individuals to put money to a positive cause, to a positive
2: uh, work? Thank you, Dr. Kama. Um, well, I agree with, absolutely agree with you that um, if um, people pursue money in the sense that uh, for personal gain uh, and um, uh, greed, uh, that, is not, that is negative. Uh, I don't concur with the famous quotation in the movie War, um, Wall Street, right? Is that the main character would say, Greed is good, greed is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, At the same time, I don't think that um, destitute and extreme poverty and lack of money is good either. And being a Buddhist, I think we are familiar with the concept of being moderate a middle path. So middle path is uh, to go, um, we don't go to extreme that pursue own um, gain of wealth without thinking of others. At the end of the day, we are in the, living in the connected world. That's why I'll, that I would say to people about development that um, money can be used in, uh, you know, we need resources because there are so many issues that um, people still need. Like, and I have my colleague here from the World Bank and also Jerry yesterday. Um, there was a launch about, uh, on the poverty uh, analysis work and even this is, like you said, it's a poor country, country and people still contend with certain things, but it's clear that people still recognize that there's some uh, missing gap, like infrastructure or public services that they still require to help them uh, achieve better livelihood, uh, like jobs, and all that <coughs> need money, right? Need um, uh, infrastructure. <coughs> is opportunity market. So, um, as institution government, they have to set up an uh, enabling environment to help uh, country to grow, like young entrepreneurs, if they cannot get job, that means uh, there should be support, just like the and Foundation have uh, work that help mentor young entrepreneurs to To understand and set up their business, learn about how to plan and how to market their uh, business, how to access to 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 capital and and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Let me
0: uh, take you back to the issue of poverty, which uh, was out this morning in the news, uh, with the uh, poverty Mm -hmm. analysis report being launched yesterday, and one of your Uh, Most recent publications I discovered is also Together We Deliver 2016, Partnerships Against Poverty. So talking about poverty um, I was a bit startled to discover that we have about 8.2% of the population still living with less than or about 2,000 neutrons per month. For ADB, uh, what is your take on it? Uh, has your work in Bhutan helped address this issue? Are we making progress and compared to the rest of the world? How is this fairing? Um, particularly for a country that often talks about happiness, I think it's quite sad that we still have 8.2% living in less than 2,000 or around 2,000 neutrals per month. Um, what can the government, the INGOs, the NGOs here do to really address this issue? And even more startling was about 10,000 <coughs> citizens live with even less than 1,000, around 1,400 neutrons per month. That is uh, like 50 per day or so, uh, 75 cents, American cents per day. Um, it is a very uh, serious sort of concern. And what can institutions like ADB, the government, and NGOs do to address this? Since you worked on this uh, partnership against poverty, I thought you might have some really well-researched uh, recommendations.
2: Yes, um, Dr. Kumar, that is uh, that is the latest um, number. In fact, that is if you talk about global standard, that is quite a good number. And especially when you look at the time series, it's been reduced out a lot. Uh, in fact, Bhutan is a a success story in terms of poverty reduction, um, but um, yeah, there's still a long way for all of us to do. It's Not just a development partner um, like our bank. It's a work of everyone. And as you know, we are every uh, in the. We started out with the Millennium Development Goal. Now we go on to Sustainable Development Goals, and before. You know people always think that it's is the work of the development partner or government and you rightly touch on a little bit that in fact it is a work of everyone and we that's why we would use how our, our publications say partnership partnership uh, has evolved it means that everybody has to contribute to it uh, uh, civil society. Organization um, has a big role on it. They they, they know. It this morning, in fact, in the UN house, we have a development uh, partner group meeting, and some uh, representative from CSO, and they did a, a tremendous work because they you know they they were in the field and they can identify and work closely with the uh, people. And poverty, as you raised, you know, we have to have some number, but in in fact. Because the, the money is an issue, but sometimes you have to look at also like the, the poverty by There's other indicators, like even though they don't have cash, but they actually have enough calorie intake and so on. Um, so I, I would say that there's a lot of work to do and we have to listen to people and they, that, that's a good start, like the poverty analysis that... Um, and work on, like, identify what are the impediment things that people find that um, would help them, like job creation. And we have to go down to the bottom line of why, why job. As you know, before, the country has been um, supported, all the jobs are from the public sector. But now, less and less, young people when they graduate, they cannot get jobs with the public sector. <coughs> That's why we think about you know um, private sector people may have to start to think about um, starting their own own work, uh, own own business, and uh, uh, maybe create better uh, enabling environment to to have
3: more investor invest in Bhutan. So quite a number of things
4: we can do. Now uh, you lead ADB here. Mm -hmm. Bhutan has been a member of ADB
0: for 35 years. (coughs) <coughs> uh, ADB has been represented here for the last four years, we have been here for a year now. What are the few major things that ADB is doing here in Bhutan to help the development process here, and particularly alleviate poverty? Um,
2: we work... Uh, when we identify things that we do, in fact, it's very hard to say what are the few things that we do, but I would just focus on the area that we have the biggest um, investment. And in terms of impact, perhaps also, I have to say, energy is a part that we involve a lot. Uh, we, it's not a big size. Uh, the one thing that we are very really proud in the recent um, achievement is uh, the project that we support on the Gagashu hydropower. It's a, it is a very small hydropower but at the same time it's, um, this project also have um, uh, in parallel we promote uh, rural electrification um, this this project is very important because uh, hydropower um, this uh, generate uh, foreign reserve revenue for the government yes it's uh, often are fungible so that it go to the government and it support um, all the activity that the government uh, uh, provides for the public, including social, you know, because Bhutan provides um, free education and, and, and uh, basic health care. So that part of the, the revenue also goes to, to that. Um, so that's one of the things that we are quite proud of um, because it also include innovation um, for that particular project because it's the first PPP project, public-private partnership. And it is uh, also the first project that introduced carbon market uh, mechanism. Um, and another thing that, um, it's not a big thing that we have done in terms of the money, but I, I feel very proud because it comes to the full circle. It's about health. Um, a long way back, uh, we maybe about ten, 10 years, we also uh,
3: uh, support the government in,
2: in, in the fund in Bhutan Health Trust Fund, about um, about 20 million US dollars, and now we are preparing to replenish more money into the Bhutan Health Trust Fund to match with the gov- government, also allocate some money uh, to the Health Trust Fund to ensure that there, that there is enough resource to fund uh, pharmaceutical
0: for the um, basic health care for the Bhutanese season. Uh, you brought up uh, hydropower and um, also public revenue. And one of the things I saw on your CV is that you have worked as a public sector management specialist for many years. Um, if you look at uh, Bhutan, especially with two major emerging issues we have, With regard to public revenue, one this promise of having public revenue from the hydro projects has not really happened so far, or at least not happened on time. So there is going to be perhaps a large deficit of public revenue (coughs) because of the the delays of the hydro projects. Then more recently, we have seen the introduction of goods and services tax in India, uh, which uh, the Bhutanese are exempted (coughs) But that also indirectly results in um, Bhutan losing the excess duty refund, which we received from India, to be used as a public revenue. And that in 2016 was said to be um, almost 3 billion rupees, and 10% of the public revenue. So if you look at these two uh, cases, as a public sector management specialist, what do you think should be done to respond to these situations? What can we do to, um, to make up for the deficit we will face for public revenue? Because as you said, the social sector is going to only keep costing us more. So what are your advice
2: for that? Thank you, it's not my original area. Actually, um, uh, yes, I'm a public finance specialist for, for a long time, and that's my, my field. And um, but uh, this idea about solution to uh, lumpy or uh, revenue that would come from hydropower lumpy. What I mean is because uh, it, hydropower is uh, take a long time to to build, especially the mega one. We haven't get involved in the mega one so far. So far, we only did, like I said, Dakachu, which is a very, a small size, 128 megawatt. But um, um, s- still, given the comparative advantage of the country, the terrain, and the decision for the government to go for the green development, hydropower still generates about a fifth of GDP. We have to not forget that. Uh, the question is how can we manage this flow of income, It's a revenue? It's still a big revenue, but what we are worrying right now is that it doesn't come in the right time. Or when it comes, maybe... Um, that's a lot of temptation to spend it right away. And because um, when the revenue comes and you spend right away, it will have a lot of impact to the economy, like infras- uh, inflation. And um, when there's a big uh, construction coming in one time, then there will, it will be... Uh, uh, crisis like yes. in the 2013 mm-hmm. so the, the solution to that which is uh, been um, suggested and I, I, I agree with from the government and many of other partners is to set up the stabilization fund so that um, to control the, the outflow from the revenue from hydropower which is coming in mm-hmm. a You you know, it some years come and but uh, a stabilization some years
0: fund that is um, different from the reserve fund that is already built? Or? Yeah, it's different.
2: It's a different... Uh, they call it Stabilization Fund, which is uh, the main purpose is to stabilize so that uh, when, when the income are uh, coming in, then it doesn't allow... I mean, have some management mechanism that, that doesn't really release the money out so that it's spread out throughout time so that the revenue from hydropower uh, can be used throughout spread throughout time, and can be, the rest also can be invested and generate more sustainable revenue into the future. And as for the GST, um, I think it's not a secret, and I think in the government, um, I mean it's it's been known that the uh, Indian government has prepared for this, and in fact they have prepared for a long time uh the uh the, the idea since two thousand six and it was only became reality in twenty seventeen. So you can imagine that a lot of work late work had uh, that has to go into introducing new tax regime. And with um, the potential loss of revenue um, that would be refunded to the government of Bhutan, uh, government of the royal government of Bhutan has already started um, thinking about um, introducing uh, uh, I mean, the tax reform and introducing um, uh, general sales tax itself, which is um, expand the tax base and in- ensure that there enough revenue. But you know, a tax base is um, it's very narrow right now because um, uh, we don't have a big private sector here, so it's, um, it's a catching up, of trying to catching up with the um, um, uh, expansion of private sector who contribute to the tax.
0: And, uh, so in a way, this uh, GST uh, policy in India, which the Boothiers are exempted from, would that help the private sector grow? Because in if, what we also find is the benefit of this tax. Is now being passed on direct to the consumers like myself, rather than being used by the government as a public revenue. So, uh, does that have any benefit for the uh, development of the grassroots, ordinary people, the consumers? Well,
2: um, it's benefit when uh, because uh, import tax from I mean import goods from India are not subject to tax. Mm -hmm. So, if um, the raw material, yeah, if the if um the domestic producer you know import the raw material and use that yeah the cost of production will be low and generate um, uh, produce make make new products from the cheaper raw material yes but um as you know we don't have a lot of manufacturing uh product yet, so there will be a lot of coaching and uh, um, developing of new uh Uh, manufacturing
5: that will
0: also create a valuable addition of Mm -hmm. new products. So um, the stabilization fund you um, suggest is something that would work if there is excessive inflow which we need to control and distribute across time. And perhaps the taxation reforms can work if there are a very good pool of taxpayers. Neither of these seem to be the case right now. And if we are going to face the serious deficit in public revenue, what would be the alternatives for the government or the state to generate that? Uh, Any other ways that you can see as a ADB country director or economist yourself?
2: (laughs) um, uh, Yeah, well, the country has been, um, have a lot of development partners. Uh, Some part of the development partners have been filling the gap in terms of grants. but um, immediate thing is very difficult, so mm-hmm. government also have to do a combination. Mm-hmm. It's really, uh, it just, uh, there's two sides, that's mm-hmm. revenue. We have revenue, the chart for it, the government has to borrow.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, if I suggest a solution, or <laughs> something that will solve part of the problem, what would be your advice on it? And that would be austerity. Uh, I want to ask you whether the Bhutanese public sector is spending far too much, far more than what it should. Uh, would some degree of austerity help? And I'm particularly posing this question because in that same report mm-hmm. uh, that was announced, uh, that was launched yesterday, I think there's also the record of how our consumption has risen astronomically. So I'm a strong believer in leveling production and consumption. <laughs> now, if we keep consuming way more than what we produce, even if we produce extra, even if we produce more than what we used to produce, I think we'll never have our hands meet. So should the government, should put the Buddhist state practice some austerity as well? Um, if you're talking
2: about um, government side, there are very there's a possibility of doing that, but it's uh, a, a lot of outlay of the government expenditure, uh, like salary, like, yeah. uh, com- so committed salary, that is difficult. But uh, in terms of uh, private, uh, you talk about the consumption. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's very difficult. Why I think that if, uh, people might consume more. But the other thing that I really feel for the people. we am talking about, for example, the like car. Why, before Buddhists only walk, and now why everybody has their own car? Um, Mostly on loans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that can be controlled somewhat through the um, you know policy in terms of lending. Is it too easy to make people borrowing uh, uh, to, I mean, borrowing from the bank to, to buy purchase car? But at the same time, you. As government or public, we, we have to also feel for the people because I I also uh, feel like we have, have in Timbu for example, we lack of public transportation. It's not like people want to go and go out and buy their own car, but because public transport transportation also not avail- available for them as alternative. Mm-hmm. So that's why. So it's just a very complex issue that uh, we have to. Uh, Think about it. And austerity is easy to say, but the government also have obligation, a legal obligation, constitutional obligation, like this, um, you know, free education. That means you have to hire or sustain or pay maintain um, teachers. And um, health workers and hospital, and so on. So it's easy to say, but to, to reduce it's very difficult. So, usually, the government, in the short period of time to fill the gap, the government can borrow. Yeah.
0: But let me come back to this again. Let me be the devil's advocate. Um, if you look at consumption habits around the world, mm-hmm. it is really alarming. Uh, given the limited natural resources we have, I think our consumption habits are really wild. Is organization, are organizations like ADP doing enough to also give consumer education as much as working for GDP and uh, economic uh, development? Is there enough cultural uh, educational component to your development programs? And I think the same applies to most other international NGOs and the governments.
2: Yes, um, that's, why, that's why I went to see you first time in London. <laughs> we talk about um, things that we are very, I mean, for ADB, we think private sector development is very important, mm-hmm. and part of it is uh, to promote private sector and new entrepreneur. And financial literacy is very important, and I understand that right now, a Royal Monetary Authority also work very hard on that and yes when when we are involved in and editing we have a lot of works in the past in the financial sector development and we not only just the money that we lend or give as grant as a project we also have technical assistance projects that promote issues issue like financial literacy and i work in the past in Pacific Island country, and that also integrated in, in our technical assistance, and we have we work with other partners to to give some uh, good, um, training for people uh, for private sector, private entrepreneur to learn <coughs> about plan their, their uh, investment and how to invest their money, not uh, and and open bank account and so on. Um, that
0: is. One other special expertise you have that I am interested to learn from, and that is you were working as the um, as an economist for the uh, budget department of uh, Thai government around the time when the big financial crisis happened in Thailand. Now if you look at uh, today's Bhutan, particularly Thimphu, we see quite a lot of speculation a kind of a property bubble. Um, Are we heading towards a real financial crisis when the bubble will burst? All these speculations we have over land and house, will that someday crash? And if we are bound to do that, then what are the ways we can adopt to avoid that? What do you see looking at current... Bhutanese property market. Are we heading towards a similar crisis?
2: Uh, the, um, the the sign of uh, property prices in 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 in, in particular um, show that it's keep it on climbing. Uh, yeah, it has similar sentiment as um, the time of um, uh, poverty crisis and financial crisis in. in, in Thailand, yes, I was there, and but I was there after the fact, and I have to deal with um, from the government side um, meeting with uh, in International Monetary Fund, and of course there's a lot of austerity program and measures that we have to take to remedy the the problem of our um, uh, crisis. So in, in the case of uh, housing in 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 Bhutan, especially in in Timpho. in the upper uh, high end, I think there are a lot of supply. But the problem is uh, because of the price of the property is so high, and then that, that make the affordability for the poor people is a um, big problem. And um, we, um to prevent uh, bubble and uh, one of the w- it's about monetary policy, so the bank Budo, prudent uh, regulation on lending, you know, um, the setting the cap for lending for the housing sector might have to be considered. So that um, the, you know, housing is um, a sector that is uh, easy to lend because um, the bankers do not need to analyze so much. So they just take land as collateral and that, uh, that just make it easy to, to la- overland in that sector. So one of the measures that the, the monetary authority can think about is to put the cap on, on, on lending in the overheating mm-hmm. sector.
0: So prudent lending. Yes. But if uh, a lot of these funds come <coughs> abroad, say through remittance, how do we cope with that? Of course, remittances are not themselves sustainable mm-hmm. unless we send more and more people abroad <coughs> to work, uh, We seem to be the tendency right now. But uh, how do you achieve a self reliant, sustainable way of bringing down property prices? Like
2: um, if you put the cap on the, um, I'll set the food and uh, the, the ratio of lending, mm-hmm. and that would take care of it. But uh, yes, the uh, remittance money and I also the same case as before, you also feel for people uh, that uh, there are there a lot of options for Bhutanese to invest in Bhutan? So uh, you have to think about that and as development um, government partner, as government, you have to think of ways and expand the market. Uh, capital market is one of the um, place where they can invest and um, or government bond, that is still need develop, mm-hmm. you know, people don't have a lot of options. So this uh, level of development right now is easy. Mm-hmm. Investment is just land; it's a yeah. sure thing, right?
0: If mm-hmm. I go, mm-hmm. um, I have uh, a couple more questions before I open it to the audience. One, in current global situation, our political sovereignty and independence is directly linked to the economic as well. And uh, taking that into you. consideration, what would be the take on the Trump being pegged to the rupee? Is it good for Bhutan to have the from pegged to the rupee? Or would, can Bhutan find a better future option of unpegging it? As an economist, what is your... Thank
2: you. Um... The Bhutan economy is linked very closely to Indian economy, 80-90% of import export come from India. And on top of that, uh, debt is, um, in, uh, is uh, dominated in the So when we think about that practical term, mm-hmm. if we unpack, if the government were to unpack, so that's a risk of neutral. Uh, exchange rate to rupee will be less, more than
0: more. You
2: mean the neutral will depreciate against the rupees? It's most most likely given the small economy, scale of economy. So I think that's a big risk. Um, so as it is given the scale, I think the, um, I don't know. I, I I don't. This is not my, me politically or. No, I'll not to make a decision, <laughs> just <very obedient>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I was just think that as the pro has it is right now outweigh the con. Maybe, you know, where the con would be because it's still two countries are not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But you look at the, the countries in, mm-hmm. in Europe, they're not quite the same. They still use Euro. But you know, there's some uh, pro in, uh, have stability into that, but uh, then the uh, royal Monetary Authority, can have no freedom to use um, monetary policy to uh, p- control inflation because it's not, you know, it's all path with, with uh, one currency. So, the
0: final question then now, this forum is uh, partly put in place to have young people, and we have a lot of young people in the audience today, find role models and find people who they can emulate. You have come a long way in terms of your career. You are now leading a big international organization in Bhutan. And to get there, you must have a lot of strengths. I want to ask you to share a few tips, maybe three tips or so, that you have on how you keep yourself on top of everything, how you manage to be successful in your profession,
2: Thank you. Um, I believe in the routine and uh, consistency. So I usually make sure that every day is quite routine, because there's so many uncertainty going on during the day. So I would start out with uh, you know regular pa- uh, practice of I have to get up on time, do some exercise, or have good healthy. Oh, not too early, six o'clock in the morning, and do some yoga. If not, then I do, um, what, you know, and then do some prayer. And spiritual is very important. Set set up the good tone in the begin, beginning of the day. It's important. What
5: kind
2: of you give? It's a I Thai prayer. Buddhist <laughs> <laughs> um, prayer. On this day, I have to share with you. I just set up, and with with help my colleague, I set up uh, a Buddhist altar. In my house, a small one, not as big as a Buddhist uh, family. Uh, So I have uh, Buddha Shakyamuni in the middle, and to the right hand side of the Buddha is um, Guru Rinpoche, Mm -hmm. and to the left is Chao Jung.
0: So, you have set up a Bhutanese uh, shrine room. Yes.
2: <laughs> and then, you know, throughout the day, then I, I end my day and I have to make sure that, I, uh, for me, I don't know, other people may work differently. My, my problem is I always, I'm a little bit obsessive. And when we get into one thing, I always do the same thing over and I could not stop. So, I have to make myself more disciplined to stop and cut on and move on to other activities and uh, relaxing. <clears throat> And one, another thing that is important for me is I have to have enough sleep and make sure that I keep on the top of my health so that I can perform. Because, because um, I feel like once you get sick or you know, get derailed, then you, you, you slow, slow down a lot. And uh, last thing that I want to leave for the young people here, oh, everyone actually, that I believe is very important is, uh, as I said before, is uh, consistency. It's not about pushing, I think, um, I le- and I read and I believe in this philosophy. I think it's called Twenty Mind March. Uh, the two teams that tried to go to um, the South Pole, one is a British team, another one, I can't remember, is a Scandinavian team. And um, the, the, one, the team that, that finally succeeded They want because every day, 20 miles walk, no matter what the weather was. Storm, nice day, that's what they do. So it's consistent. you do a little bit, but you don't skip on it. Because when you try to push too much, your body cannot take it. So I think consistency, incremental growth, and believe in positive change, and be kind to people. I think that would, would get you anywhere. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So with that,
0: let me invite questions from the audience. We have um, over 15 minutes to take questions. Anyone? Uh, thank you very much. My name is Peter Copper. Um, I was. I just uh, wanted to ask a question regarding the public debt and actually also the household debt, and Dr. Karma was going on a bit about that, but I'm very interested to hear because I've only been in Bhutan not only a year and I'm surprised by how much uh, credit uh, people live on credit basically. To what extent does the ADB think that is a risk for also the economy? We touched about the property uh, potential property bubble. Uh, Is that a potential risk for the economy and to what extent um, is the ADB doing? We talked about financial literacy but
1: what else could you do to um, make sure that the public, not the public debt, but the household debt is actually lowered and people start maybe saving for future plans, etc. Thank you very much.
2: Should I take these one by yes. one? Okay. Um, public debt, uh, yeah, I forgot to uh, thank you for that. Um, right now, actually, it's a big concern and it was uh, raised a lot in the parliament and it's The public debt to GDP is over 100 percent. We have our own technical assessment um, of our own development partner. Uh, We use the IMF uh, World Bank assessment, right now it's classified as uh, moderate risk. because, in, in fact, 100 is quite seen very high, but 70% of that, uh, compo- uh, of that debt, uh, revenue generated uh, re- uh, debt, which is linked to hydropower. Um, yeah, so we monitor that, and then whatever we uh, lend, uh, it will link to the analysis of how much more uh, development partner can lend to the, to the country. Uh, uh, but uh, when it comes to the household that that has to do very much with the like what you said you know um, more of a training public awareness and uh, a program to educate people of how to manage their personal um, personal finance and at the same time, regulation has to come with it because. Anywhere, there always be loan charts. you know. <laughs> Actually, when, when there's not enough um, uh, ability for people to go out and borrow, because uh, they have to have collateral, or where I worked before in the Pacific, that is even more strict, like they said, that if you are a woman, then you can, because you have to get approval from your husband or your head of the village. So then we have to come in as a development partner, as a government, to change a law, like outdated law. And uh, another thing is like because uh, uh, they they, they get into that maybe because they have to borrow from the loan charge, it's very high, then you have to make sure that we have good um, provider, like self-help group that uh, this morning, like Tarayana also mentioned, you know, that is more like a, you know, the, the way it will be manageable. And other people in the community also will help each other. Of what is to be should be invested what you put away. Maybe Doctor Kama can. He's more uh, <laughs> an expert and had hands-on
4: no. in the field. Okay. <laughs> in and about
0: uh, Household
4: debts. Uh, apart from the fact
0: that a lot of people are living beyond their means. <laughs> now, second question is. am
3: uh, Françoise. Uh, also known as Tashiom and an anthropologist and a historian. Um, I just uh, wanted to follow up on that question because it goes back also to some uh, Chinese uh, concept. In the Himalayas, I find that, and I'm not the only one, as an anthropologist and a historian, I found a lot of money from the household, and it's not a criticism, it's just a (coughs) assessment. A lot of the household money goes for religious purpose, which is not taken into consideration very often by international partners, because they don't have the religious expenditure linked into their matrix or whatever. But people in Bhutan, or in Tibet, or in Sikkim, or in Ladakh, they will first spend, even the poor people will first spend to have a small altar in their, in their house, rather than to buy something else. Will buy the other. Then, of course, the ceremonies are quite expensive. So that can bring uh, the household, even if it's it's a bare minimum, will have. They will spend money first for that. In my view, and especially in the village, maybe not in town, but in the village definitely. And then only they will think about investing or something. So there is no saving at the end. So they know they can borrow for, uh, for consumption, like cars and all. So that's, I would like if our international partner could look into the weight of the tradition and of the cultural weight in the money. This is very, I feel it's very important. I've seen it, but of course, Dr. Kamai is the expert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there is definitely one very popular Bhutanese proverb. Bulem means chubby. If you're without debt, you're rich. So maybe only few people make it to be rich.
2: And on that, can I supplement? In fact, Ponsor, um, you uh, raised something very important, and I, I am happy to report to you that, in fact, uh, Health Ministry just finished uh, an assessment, health assessment, and uh, I was there because we're preparing our health project for next year. And um, there's a direction from even the management in the Ministry of Health to say that we have to look into that, to look into Bhutan, uh, you know, about how when people, actually people, now we said health is free. Health provision in Bhutan is free. The government gives like basic health, but then they still have to capture account for out of the pocket for people. First of all, like um, family member accompany the patient uh, from the province to the refer- referral hospital. And on top of that, there was a recognition of this important that actually people also spend a lot of money on children when some someone in the family are sick. And actually that constitutes quite a big proportion of their expense when someone is
1: sick. Um, Most people would say that there is very high levels of coherence between Gross National Happiness and the Sustainable Development Goals. In fact, the Sustainable Development Goals have much that they can learn from Gross National Happiness. Within the Sustainable Development Goals, nearly everybody is agreed that the private sector has to be pulled in more into the process, because the costs of achieving the Sustainable Development Goals are substantial. In today's conversation, we've touched a little bit on, on how to bring in the private sector into development more actively. My memory is you, you mentioned the, the PPP. And, and so my question is, what are the specific areas where you are working to pull and, and, and entice the private sector, the Bhutanese private sector, Into development, and what more can we do as a society to support the the strengthening of the private sector in this country and its role in development?
2: Thank you, Jerry. Uh, We have um, we have a small technical assistant um, to help the government um, uh, support a better business council. And um, in there, we have experts. We have um, who would help giving government some recommendation and advice on how to um, uh, promote an um, enabling environment. Like how, um, what are the impediments for private sector to start business, for example. And, you know, the uh, the doing business ranking in Bhutan, as came out this year, it's a little bit... Um, uh, two places yeah, lower. Two or, uh, lower. But uh, in general, it, doesn't, it, it it hasn't improved as much as we want to. So there are various areas that we look into that. And uh, we look into the regulatory, you know, uh, the certain things that... Um, for example, when when people want to import in the import or export a company, do is it clear enough that how, what license they need to do and things like that. So these are the area that we are looking into, and we have some expert. Uh, not just this uh, particular better business, we also um, we promote uh, regional cooperation because Bhutan is a small landlocked country, so it can benefit from. Uh, integration with the, the region. So trade is one of the things that we think is important. And we also have, like I said, have experts looking into the how to facilitate trade better, um, uh, custom, clear, and should be faster. And in that area, those are also our technical assistance at i uh, I want to supplement
4: what our uh, present uh, the question on the private sector. And uh, actually, I, I wonder, it's not a regular question, but uh, some sort of suggestion from the ATB on concentration, some concentration from the uh, My name is Omjara. Yes. I work, currently work at the Northern Foundation on the Current program site, for cultural research as a researcher. But uh, my question is that, uh, as you all know, uh, privacy is one of the main economies of the nation. But many uh, says, the uh, private sector in Bhutan uh, has not even to, uh, been able to play a bigger and desired role even with the uh, uh, substation and development in the construction of the major hydropower project. And many says uh, this is because due to the uh, where Bhutan has been not successful in doing the easy-doing easy, easy business. And uh, this is the reason why Putin is uh, facing the uh, main, uh, why the private sector has a uh, constant piece. The main constant is the quota. Uh, and uh, so, if it's true, then uh, uh, what uh, do you see uh, the Putin government should do in regards to the private sector? Thank what you. The yes.
2: Um, the, from the analysis, the one that one of the key thing that is uh, is a big issue is access to finance. Um, to in, to grow the business, um, uh, private entrepreneur needs money to invest, but it's very hard for them to go to the bank and prepare the proposal. Um, so the go- government and also private, like NGOs like Loden and CS, CSO, can also have mentoring program, which is ongoing, to help the, uh mentor the people who want to, be, to start a business. And at the same time, the regulatory, such as uh, how uh, do people know uh, uh, people can get the information easily when they want to set up the business, when they register, uh, how to register the company? Uh, all those things, the government can make it easier, and uh, for private sector to start. And one of the things that can be do, uh, can can be done is like um, a single place, that single area. We also working on this BBC Better Business uh, Council uh, technical assistant, and we will help uh, set up the website that will give information for any aspiring. Uh, entrepreneur to go in and, and can get access to all the information if they want to get access, um, if they want to register, what license they need to do, in what particular kind of business. But access to finance is uh, a key one and it's going to be a long, long effort because. Um, Right now, uh, and it's, uh, it's happened in many, in many countries that we work also. Uh, I, I touch on that a little bit. In Pacific, then uh, when, when pe- people go to the bank, usually they have to take their before the reform. They have to take their land. And in the area, quite similar to here, you know women do not have land title so that impede them from starting business because they don't have that land title on their own. So, there are various things that it can do if you have to look at a cultural context. In the past, in the Pacific case, and we know that it's a community society, so we first start with the uh, legal reform, we set up the community company, so I mean, not not just one person, so the entire community can set up the company, and then with that, instead of – in the past, women used to just take their produce and go to the market, and they have to leave their children at home. Then they become when they set up as a business. Instead of that, and they can start have contract with five-star hotel or, or any business, and they can they don't they only send representative to those uh, to deliver their produce, and they have more time with the family. That could be so many win-win situations that we can think of, and maybe have international uh, practice that we can uh, capitalize. Um, and another thing is like because we have to do some a lot of uh, reform that the bank has to start uh, recognize other assets uh, apart from land when they lend money. Uh, what we call in the technical term is tran- secure transaction. In fact, it's just about we regi- register uh, mobile assets like uh, your crops, your contract to sell your crop. Uh, your machinery, and it's no need to be land, but those one if they have the system of registration and have the valuation, and that can be used as the collateral to take loan now, and that would start off with a you know, new entrepreneur can, mm-hmm. can, can use to access money.
0: With the launch of the private sector lending yesterday, <coughs> would be available to um, entrepreneurs. Of 1.5 billion with no collateral. I think that will open a very big avenue, especially in financial sources, uh, if there are entrepreneurs who are willing to take up. But then, mind you, the interest rate is still 8% or more. So it's not uh, an easy uh, low interest rate for a startup. Um, Any other questions? Yes, oh, quite a number of hands. So, yes. doctors on. Are- Good evening. My name is uh, Sonam Dorji.
6: Uh, actually, today when uh, this uh, announcement was floated through the uh, University of uh, uh, University of Medical Sciences of Bhutan about uh, a talk on uh, finance and economics, uh, I was just uh, curious because it's very uh, really new. I don't know anything about it. But uh, especially when they said when I was at the UN House i never been to the U.N. House and I thought this is an opportunity to come here because otherwise they will not allow you. So I thought I'd just come here and and just feel uh, my curiosity. But now, having sat here and listening to some uh, uh, you know, important, uh, very eminent uh, talks, uh, Ms. Sure, Tashwama talking about uh, uh, Putin is uh, willing to go all out to even the poorest of the poor spending so much on uh, religious uh, thing I just uh, got curious we do not but I found out most of our people do not want to spend anything on help or for your health is it because uh, health is given free will if you make it uh, not free will they spend money for the, for your health just curious because if uh, we found out those Few people who go out to Bangkok are, I think, uh, uh, for uh, some other reasons. You know, especially delivery, and all, they want to maybe visit Bangkok or some other things. And even if you look at here the in the am uh, sorry of our clinic, we call the people who spend are not the rich lot. The people who can afford, they will demand more free things. They do not want to spend. Because maybe it's free, that's what uh, they are, uh, you know, they they just want uh, everything, the more you give, even the people who want, uh, who need to be referred outside to, for uh, treatment to India, even if they can afford, they will further demand some kind of uh, air travel or something like that. So, there's a big uh, question, I think, will, uh, if you make health not that free, <laughs> will the people be then able to really? Will they be concerned for their own health and spend? So that is something. it just got curious. So I thought. Otherwise, I thought I'll just quite listen and no questions. Answered. <laughs> so there is something. Uh, you know, I just got uh, curious about this. Thank
2: you. Uh, I cannot agree with you more. That's totally true. That's why. Um, in fact. Um, that's a term in now. Now I know Jerry started <laughs> sending me some signal. It's supposed to be non-technical, but there is a technical term. On that, they call moral hazard, oh. uh, right? When you are, there are always some um, situation when you uh, get insurance. Maybe you'll be more reckless, or because you are, uh, you have free healthcare, so you just, you know, don't care. But uh, that's probably it's just psychological, psychology of human being, right? If you feel like you are covered, and you might be tend to do something. But uh, more and more, your your thinking is correct, and that has to be changed because before it might work, That's why we so worry about sustainability of health provision. Before, if people get sick, they are sick with some uh, other disease. But now, more and more, it's more like a self imposed sickness sickness that people get sick because they don't exercise, because they don't live right, they uh, they have substance abuse or whatever, the non-communicable disease, and those cost a lot more. And uh, as it is right now, there's no facility and, uh, for Bhutan to handle. A lot of time, the government has to refer out. So. In fact, uh, during the preparation of this health uh, project, we also talk a lot of the importance and health health policy. Important of prevention. Prevention has been allocated so little, you know, but uh, it's so important. And uh, and more and more to make people feel like they have to be part of it, uh, part of and responsible for it. It's also important. Uh, right now, I think the allocate people put in money for the health. 1%, 1% of their salary. And maybe more in the future, has to be more in order to be more sustainable. And uh, yeah, thank you. Can I hire you for the public
0: <laughs> <laughs> But uh, if I may throw a comment here, I fully agree with the two of you that uh, people who can afford should pay.
2: Yes, so ability to pay. Yes. So they see the value. Yes. But then
0: the Bhutanese religious culture is, I think, quite different. That we are basically looking at health, or the life from a different worldview. When people spend for religious services, they're not doing so because it costs them. They're doing so because this is an investment. In fact, the more money they put into it, they think in the future they will get better health. So it's a spiritual economy for them. And I think in that respect, uh, they see spiritual investments much more important than the financial investment. (laughs) Um, I'll take one last question now as well. Out uh, of time.
5: We focus a lot on the hydropower investment uh, and also private sector development. So my question is to to these two. My name is Vishnu. I work as in Mr. Uh, I have a state of DCP comics called High Secondary Studies Long Time back. So this topic was very close to my heart. So I thought I must attend this. And then thank you for bringing various perspectives. Uh, you talked a lot about hydropower uh, investment and uh, uh, in the long run, yes, uh, the, the gestation period is very long and the returns, when the returns come, the revenue is consistent. But this revenue has to be sort of uh, distributed uh, equitably uh, to the people, to the household level. Uh, what is happening at the moment is most of the schools for the social services have their good which is free. But as a result of three activities, what has happened now, we have a huge uh, issue of planning unemployment. So, does the we have a plan to uh, sort of inject the uh, 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 development of the private sector? We have to also start with uh, vocationalizing some of our education at the basic level, not at the domestic level, of course, because I'm sure there are universities at the basic level, but basic education, high school education, I think we need to do a lot in terms of. There is of the to make it more professional so that our young people realize it's already become more innovative, more things.
2: Thank you. Uh, excellent. Um yes, as a matter of fact, um we have um next year not only health, we also have um a project in education. Uh we um we will have um in our program, the 15 million U.S. dollars grant uh, provided for the government uh, to improve uh, training uh, – technical training institutes, uh, selective ones um, across the country. Because um, we, in the past, we, we only, um several years ago, we prepared a technical vocational and now it's time to implement and you're absolutely right um, uh, that education is important and then we have to come in especially with the issue of youth unemployment and um, things have changed when, when we, uh, all the team came, they also said that people start to realize that when they go to TTI they actually get a job right away I got an opportunity to visit like a Kurutang TTI and they said they don't have problems before. I don't know about other TTIs, um, but uh, before it's very hard to recruit students because they want to stay in the mainstream system. But now they, they know that as soon as they finish with TTIs, uh, they, they get jobs. They, um, uh, they, they, they offer jobs right away. And uh, it's about skill. It's not just about, um, so that's a mindset too, because um, Right now, I think people still prefer—not the student themselves or the parents. still think that you know it's better. It's almost feel like it's superior to go into like um, um, regular education. So we, in this program, we don't only work with uh, Ministry of Labor. We also work with Ministry of Education because we also work on the. We see education so that we incorporate in the uh, uh, regular stream to have some counsel that people might want to search there. So maybe they, they come to realize that, okay, they can do also regular education, but they also can take some vocational. So they can increase their skill and then they might still have a chance to change their field.
0: Um, thank you, Jim. So um, our time is up. But uh, I have, uh, following our usual ritual, my last question to you. The, <coughs> excuse me. Bhutan Dialogues uh, offers two books from the New York Times bestseller list. Which two books did you choose and why?
2: If I remember the title <laughs> of the books correctly, I'm a, I'm a big nonfiction reader, so both of them are nonfiction. So I read uh, one book is uh, being Model. Uh, which is talking about coping with, you know, of course, we are, every day, we're closing to our death, and as Buddhists, we also meditate on death. So with that, um, I want to learn more about this book, and I think it's fascinating, and I'm looking forward to read it. And another book is uh, on, it's about universe. I don't remember the title correctly, but it's about a pro I don't, I don't remember, but it's about uh, uh, the, to understand the universe. And when I was little, I was thinking a lot of, about these things, and as you grow older, you just sort of get contained in little things that you do, but then you have more time, and you have a lot of imagination about how insignificant we are in the universe. And I want to rekindle that, that thought. So, thank you. Thank
0: you, Jim. Thank you for joining us in this conversation. And thank you, audience, for joining us. Um, This is really a forum, an opportunity to have civil conversations so we can stretch our minds to new heights, explore new ideas, um, basically to get together, to learn and think together. Uh, Each session I share a piece of uh, Bhutanese Buddhist wisdom. Last session I was quoting from the Bodhisattva Corpus, Saying, learning makes one see the truth, learning makes one eschew the evil. For today, as the topic is money, I thought I will quote Chandra Kirti, who is one of the greatest Buddhist middle way philosophers. He says, Human happiness does not arise without wealth. And knowing wealth, is an outcome of giving. The Buddha first gave his discourse on giving. So give generously, think generously, and join us again in the next session on 18th January uh, with Amit Pede talking about rural development. It's not the usual second Thursday. Next month will be third Thursday of the month. And please join us for the refreshments in the lobby. Thank you. <laughs>
5: I forgot,
2: yes. oh, just, just briefly, please feel free to grab um, some, uh, this is just a short um, story about 50-year uh, partnership ADP and, and Bhutan, so grab your copy. Thank you.